You know, we're using this uh, 30th anniversary to remember some of the things God's done for us in the past. And so we've got people who are very young, but have been here for 30 years. And Alison doesn't look old enough for that, does she? Oh, keep, keep going, here. keep going. Love it, love it. So Alison's going to share with us, first of all, then Tony's going to share after that. So Alison, thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you, thank you. Am I on? Is that what you say? Right, right. Well, hi. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alison Merrick. Um, my husband Clive, my son Richard and I joined Darlington Christian Fellowship, hereafter known as DCF because it's such a mouthful otherwise, in January 1983. And we were still here in uh, uh, 1993 when um, the two churches decided to join. Um, Clive died in May 2020. My son Richard is a curate down in one of the St. Peter's family of churches down in Brighton. So I'm left and I'm still here and have no plans of going anywhere else. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So kind. Yeah. Um, when Mike first asked me to do this, um, I went. <laughs> yes, I wondered, you know, how to tackle it, what, you know, what, um, what approach to take. Because after 30 years, it's very hard for me to recall events and feelings around at that time. But two things I, do, I did recall when I started thinking about it was that I had many conversations, as did many people in the two churches, with God many conversations with God about it. And I also record, re recall uh, a guy called Bob Newhart. Those of us of a certain age will remember him. Thank you. Um, and one of his um, sketches, he would stand up um, and have a one-sided conversation on a telephone. And if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go on YouTube and see some of them. They are very funny. Um, so this is um, a condensed, imagined telephone conversation between me and God that took place about 30 years ago. Oh, hi God, it's Alison from DCF. Oh, yes, of course, you know, you're God. Uh, you wanted to talk to me. You were wondering how I felt it was going after 10 years of DCF. Well, it, I think it's going well. Um, the elders show us how to walk the talk. Uh, home groups, sometimes a bit hitty-missy, but good at the moment. We're doing evangelism and discipling, and we're learning to rub along together. Uh, a bit tricky sometimes, but we're learning how to do it. And we're also, um, we're dancing in the aisles for the lively worship songs, well, actually, dancing is a bit of a, a grand word for what we do. But it's so good to be able to come before you and worship you with, with dance. But yes, God, it's a good place to be. And it's a comfortable place to be. What do you mean? You want us to move out of our comfortable place? And you want us to change shape? Ooh. Do you have a plan in mind? Well, of course you do, you're God. Really, you want us to join with that group that came down from Durham? Hmm, interesting. You do know, God, don't you, how different we are? 
Of course you do, you God. Let me think. They're a very bright, uh, very tight-knit group of friends who socialize together. We are a much more disparate group of people, um, much more a hodgepodge. But actually, I love it, Lord. I suppose we're not all strangers, as some of the mums know each other from the school gate and mums and toddlers. And I know one or two from work. So, yeah, it might work. What, you're asking me what I think? Wow, wow. You know, God, I think it might work with a lot of give and take and an awful lot of grace. There's only one thing, though, God, that I've just thought about, and it's not a thing, it's a person. It's about Jenny. Yes, God, the lovely Jenny. On the door every week, welcoming people with her big badge that says, free hugs. Says it all, really, doesn't it? You know her enthusiasm for welcoming people with a hug. It knows no bounds. How will the king's people react to her? They will adjust, you say, God. We will all adjust, you say. And that's a promise, you say. And adapt we did, and adjust. And God kept his promise to us. There's a phrase today that I'm pretty sure wasn't around 30 years ago. That phrase is a blended family. This is a family of two different relationships, the children they had together and the children from previous relationships. And that is what we were and became when DCF and Kings became King's Church. Tom Friedinger, a counsellor and therapist, made this comment about blended families that I think applies to blended Christian families. Becoming a blended family means mixing, mingling, scrambling, and sometimes muddling our way through church family relationships, individual differences and preferences. But through it all, learning to love like one family. So I thank you, God, for your faithfulness to your King's Church family over all these years, and I look forward to the next 30. Thank you, uh, Alison. That was great. And uh, Tony's now going to share with us. Thanks, Tony. I'm going to uh, share about my, if in a way, my own personal viewpoint on the time when we were uh, looking for a new home as a church. And uh, I'm sorry if it's not quite as dramatic as Alison's. <laughs> so in, uh, in 2004, we'd been meeting on Sunday mornings at the old Darlington College Centre for a considerable number of years as a church and uh, but but by then it was known that they were going to knock that building down and build a new college building out on Horton Road and it soon appeared that from the from the what we knew about the design of that and its location that it wasn't really going to be suitable 
for us and they'd be unlikely to be somewhere we could meet there. So um, I was one of the trustees at the time and we had discussions and um, with, with the elders and uh, we, we really felt that God was saying that it was time for us to try and find a home of our own. So we began sort of looking around a bit and uh, I mean I had in mind something that was maybe um, a, had a meeting hall and a, another room or two with it. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else was thinking but we, we heard that this place had, had come up for sale um, so we decided we'd come and have a look and I can remember walking in here and being greeted by the the um, financial director of Maguire's Carpets who owned the building at that time and uh, just being led through one huge area after another I mean, it's difficult to describe after all these years how big some of those areas were because I mean the first one was was this and all the space that the furniture scheme used behind as well so it was it looked pretty enormous I mean it was still had a lot of shelves of uh, rolls of carpets and vinyl flooring and things like that in it but it was huge and then we walked through into what's what's now the cafe area and that seemed pretty big too and into the lounge and then into the uh, the what's now what's sometimes called the red hall and uh, the the furniture scheme behind it and they also showed us through into the uh, what is now uh, John Kelly's garage um, that we didn't obviously take in the end and uh, I was just thinking, this is huge. This is so much bigger than we, we could need. What are we ever going to do with all of this space? And more importantly, how are we ever going to raise the funds to refurbish it all and adapt it all to be suitable for a church use? So, you know, real, real uh, moment of faith there, but uh, it just seemed impossible. Um, but then... The, um, the guy who was showing us around, the financial director, said to us that he, he heard that we were, he knew that we were a church and we were thinking of take, taking the building as a church building and he was, he, he was excited about that because he was a Christian himself. And then he told us that the, the chairman of the board of Maguire's, Frank Maguire, was a Christian too. And he said, oh, Frank will be really excited about the idea of, of a church moving into here. And I just began to think, wow, maybe, maybe God is in this, maybe this is going to turn out to be God's provision, though I still had you know, a long way to go in terms of thinking that it was. And um, as, as trustees, we had some meetings with, uh, with Frank Maguire, who did turn out to be extremely enthusiastic about the idea of, of the church take, um, taking on the building, using it for God's purposes. Um, and he very much in he was very encouraging about it all the way through and very helpful in coming up with a plan that, that would make it possible for us to uh, move into the building as long as we believed that it, that's what God was calling us to do and after it took a while to get outline planning permission for change of use but eventually that came through and we we had I can remember there being a a really what became a very memorable uh, church family meeting to which every, everybody in the church family was invited to come and hear the proposal about taking on this building and for people to have a chance to 
um, to share what they felt God was saying and to, to ask questions and all that. And um, in the days leading up to that uh, meeting, I was reminded by God of um, when we'd been away on holiday on the previous summer and I'd uh, felt led to read from the, from the end of uh, Deuteronomy when Moses is addressing the people of Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. And there's this, this bit um, where he talks about the blessings that will follow their obedience to God. And on the other hand, the curses that will come upon them if they are disobedient to God and don't do what he's called them to do. And there's a bit in... Uh, I can't read my own... Sorry. <laughs> which is uh, in verse 19 of chapter 30, where Moses says to them, um, I call the earth and the heavens as witnesses against you that I have set before you blessings and curses, life and death. Then he gave them a brilliant piece of advice. Now choose life. And uh, I just felt at that moment that God was saying to me that we as a church were going to soon come to a choose life moment. Didn't know what that choose life moment was going to be. But as we approached this meeting, I just felt that this was it. This was what we were coming to. And uh, it was wonderful being in the meeting and hearing so many other words of, of confirmation from God that we should take this building and uh, just sensing the, the faith that was rising amongst people that although um, it, it was going to be a huge thing for the church to take on, that it was right for us to do it. And um, we... The, the elders and the trustees decided to go ahead, as you, as you know, <laughs> and uh, we, we were able to start using some rooms in the building in early in 2005, and then since then, since then, of course, we've had to rely on uh, miracle after miracle of provision from God in order to be able to refurbish this building and to use it for what God, God's called us to. But God has always been so wonderfully faithful and um, as I look back on this, I thought, at the time, I thought, well, you know, God's saying we've come to this choose life moment. But it seemed like such a, such a huge thing to call it a choose life moment as, a, as opposed to a choose death moment. And uh, I thought, why, did, wh why was it such an important, uh, significant thing? And it wasn't, and I felt God saying it wasn't just because of the building, because obviously the building, having this building did change everything and make so many things possible. But, it was, but we all know that the church isn't about just a building. It's about a family of people, as we've witnessed today with a, with a new family joining us. It's about a family of people being built together by God to become something that he has called us to be. And, uh, but in a way, the willingness of the church to, to go ahead with taking on this building without any clue how the money was, where the money was going to come from over the next few years, really defined, was part of defining us as a church and the people we wanted to be because God wouldn't have wanted us to have this building unless he was planning to do something big because, uh, as you will have all have noticed, it's a very big complex of buildings. And he... And clearly, a lot of those purposes were going to do with being a blessing to, to the community, to the people around us. So that, that was definitely a part of defining who we were to become as a church. 
And I'm, I'm so thankful that God led us in that way because he, by doing that, he led us into a, into a life together as a church where we continually have to step out in faith, where we continually have to trust God for, for supplying things. And sometimes we have to start doing something long before we know where, you know, using the money we've got for today, but not knowing where the rest of it's coming from. But God has always, always provided for us. And it's been, it's been a thrilling thing to say, to say, sorry, to say, thrilling thing, thing to see. And uh, as I was writing this the other day, I've, I've thought as well of the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and found themselves in the wilderness and started grumbling because they had no bread to eat. And the God provided, as you, as you doubtless all know, God provided the manna for them from heaven, the bread that, were, that they were to eat every day. And every morning it would appear on the ground around their camp, apart from on the Sabbath. Um, and uh, they, they were told only to gather what they needed for the day. And some of them disobeyed and gathered more, but by the morning... It was rotten and full of maggots. And I thought, why did, you know, why did God want them just to gather what they needed every day? Because he, and I, it's clear that he was training them to know that he was always the one they had to look for, for everything they needed. Um, he didn't want them to be able to store up lots of stuff and then start relying on their own resources and turn away from him. And I think it's, been like that with us. That's been our experience. Um, I know it would, it's not a comfortable place to be in, especially if you're uh, one of the board of trustees. But uh, it's a it's a it's a good thing because it makes us focus on God and and uh, what He provides. And I just I believe very firmly that as we approach the future, God wants us to carry on being a people like that. He wants us to carry on stepping out in faith even if we can't see where the resources are coming from, as long as we're obviously confident that's what he's saying to us and that he wants us to uh, continue to enjoy the, these adventures and to uh, see his wonderful pr provision. And uh, I, we, all we can do is give all the glory to him because he is the one who provides. Well, thank you, Alison and uh, Tony, for sharing those thoughts with us of the way the whole thing kind of came together, the churches came together and everything started. It's amazing, isn't it, when you look back how God, God does some things that at times can seem not significant and then suddenly as you look back you go, wow, isn't that amazing how that worked together? And as Alison said, he does that because he's God. Sally and myself uh, came, if you like, to the King's Church party uh, a little on the late side. We were sort of 15 years we've been here. And uh, it's been an adventure of faith, just like it was in the first 15 years. Uh, but one of the things I want to say before I get into uh, the, the kind of sense of what God has done over the last 15 years is this. We're not looking back this morning to kind of reminisce at the glory days and the golden years, that's really not what we're doing. We're looking back this morning, remembering the amazing things that God has done for us 
so that we can be propelled into the future, so that we go, my word, hasn't God given us a platform of faithfulness and goodness? And then we can go with confidence into all he has for us. Our 30th anniversary isn't like a full stop. It's an exclamation mark with loads of dots after it, like it's the next 30 years that we're really looking for. So let me take a, a brief look back over the last 15 years. And as I do, I want to highlight five things that I believe will help us into the future. So first of all, let me just read these five headings to you. We must always keep the main thing the main thing. Always keep the main thing the main thing. We must keep hearing God. He alone has the master plan for the King's Church family. No one else does, only God. Number three, we must be obedient in everything he tells us to do, both the large and the small. Really important obedience. And we must go for the impossible and the unreachable and the unattainable. That way, everyone will know that God did it and we didn't. And always remember, and this is something that uh, Tony was just speaking about, really, God has called us to be a river and not a reservoir. That's what he's called us to be. So I'll be as quick as I can because we're running out of time. Keep the main thing the main thing. We must always keep Jesus right at the centre of everything we do. I think we should probably reissue the WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets. So we're all there thinking, yeah, I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation. Um, if we don't keep Jesus at the centre and at the top of everything, what we do will be pointless and futile. And what we try to do over these last 30 years, I'm sure, and us over the last 15, is we try to do that. We try to keep Jesus focused. You'll probably realise that over the last 15 years, we never spend too long out of the Gospels. We, we, we look through the Bible and all the Bible is relevant for us, but we get back in the Gospels like, well, Jesus, we find Jesus there. And we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. So as we go forward... We must keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus is front and centre and high overall. Okay, amen? Up for that, guys? Of course, we're in it together. You know that, don't you? We're all in it together. We must keep hearing God. Right from the start, the leaders and the people of King's Church have been hearing God. Tony was sharing with us and, and Alison as well about the conversations that they've had with God. And we need conversations with God. We need to hear what God is saying to us. You know, purchasing this pretty much in not very good condition building was a massive leap of faith for kings. And when Sally and I came, there was still a lot needed to be done. And we had to ask God, God, what are you calling us to do with this place? For those of you who don't know, I spent a long time in the building industry before becoming a minister. But the amazing thing was, the first time I walked through this building, God showed me pretty much what he wanted to do with it all. Because this was just what was lovingly called the void. I found that a little bit discouraging, so we changed it to the potential. Um, and at this point, I do need to mention someone. I need to mention a guy called Gordon Phillips. Gordon was an amazing guy to have around. And... Uh, Gordon was the man who we came, he and I spent lots of time together and we were able to draw plans up. Gordon was able to draw plans on the computer. I just said where I thought walls should go. Um, 
Gordon did that, then every day, Gordon would be in every day of the week, and he and I would walk around this building every morning whilst the construction was taking place, and we'd look and we'd see what needs to be done over the next week. How much materials do we want? You know, where do we want to put stuff? And then I would walk away and Gordon would make it happen. Gordon was just a marvellous and is a marvellous guy. And I want to say this morning, praise God for Gordon. So we must keep hearing God. Thirdly, we must be obedient. Obedience breathes like an integrity with God. If you obey, there's an integrity that comes between you and God. And when you've got some integrity with God, God talks to you. God tells you things. God gives you things to do. And we need to make sure that we're obedient. And sometimes we think the little things aren't important, but the Bible is very clear. If God trusts us with the small things, guess what happens? If he can trust us with those, he gives us the big things. We'd like to start sometimes with big things. And God, in his wisdom, because he's God, says, no, you need to start with the small things. I need to know I can trust you. Those small things that we do, that we're obedient in, are a foundational part of becoming a mature Christian. Obedience is a big thing. And God trusted us with this great big thing because over the years, actually, we've been obedient with the small things. So number four, we must go for the impossible, the unreachable, and the unattainable. Now really, this whole project has been that. It's been unreachable, it's been unattainable. You've heard the testimonies. We didn't know how we were going to do things, where we were going to get the money from, but God was with us. How could we have ever thought at the beginning that this place would become a great worship area, that we'd have a food bank, we'd have a a furniture scheme, we'd have a cafe, we'd have loads and loads of other things going on. Who would have thought that when this was the void? And it certainly wasn't our cleverness or our, our ability that got us to this place. It is God that got us to this place. People uh, from other churches, uh, whilst we've been doing this over the last 15 years, ask me on occasions, when I go and talk to them about how we managed to raise the funds to do this, they thought I was some kind of a genius fundraiser. Bless them. Um, And I I just had to say to them, no, not really, I, I can't tell you, because all we really did was pray. And in praying, we cried out to God at times as well. That's how we got the money for this. It wasn't clever. There wasn't really a, there wasn't a strategy other than we need to ask God. We need to spend some time praying. And uh, I remember being partway through the build, sitting on a concrete block in the middle of this room here, one night. Everyone had gone home, and I sat there one night, and I said, I looked around, and it was kind of half-built, and we were a bit short of money. And I remember sitting there going, God, I really, really hope we've heard from you because if we haven't, this is going to be the biggest white elephant in Darlington. Because sometimes when you take a step of faith, God takes you right to the edge, right to the edge. And then he comes in like a flood and you go, wow, how amazing is God. And I remember sitting in the front office one morning, and we'd run out of money, basically. Bless Mark, had to go through all this as well, Mark, our, our finance uh, man. And uh, 
This envelope came that was addressed to me and I thought, praise God, this is the answer to our prayers. There will be a cheque probably in this envelope for something like £100,000 and we can crack on doing this. So I opened the envelope, very excited to find a cheque in there and I'm thinking, this is it, this is it. The cheque was made out for £100, which kind of was really nice, but not what I was hoping for. I was a little downhearted at that. And then God reminded me of the promise he gave to Elijah when Elijah was looking out and he said to his servant, go and see, you know, is there rain coming? And he said, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. And that was God's promise that the rain was coming. And I knew when God spoke to me that that hundred pounds was a promise that the rest would come. The rest would come. You see, we did something big that actually we couldn't do on our own. It wasn't clever. Unless God did it, it wouldn't have got done. And God's been so faithful. And then the last thing is we're called to be a river and not a reservoir. I believe Kings has always been a generous church. People have been generous in Kings, giving to Kings, and Kings has been generous giving to other churches. And just before we began our, our final stage of this building, doing all the, the major works really in this large hall, uh, a group of us went to South Africa in 2010. Uh, we went on a missions trip to construct a four-bedroom bungalow extension on a small children's home, and this is the funny part, in eight working days. Yep, Paul, where's Paul? Paul here, give us a wave. Paul was there laying concrete blocks. And every day we travelled in this rickety old bus uh, from Durban to the Valley of a Thousand Hills. To in fact, in fact, you know, you could, you could almost feel the Thousand Hills. You could feel the old movie. Do you remember the movie? Who was in it? Michael Caine, I think. Um, and every day we travelled there. And one morning I felt God speak to me so clearly it was almost audible. And uh, he said, how can you consider spending all this money on your own church when your brothers and sisters across the world and here in South Africa have so little. And I felt God challenge me about giving 50% of everything that came into our general building fund away. Now that really equates to sort of financial suicide, really, when you do that. So I came home, I probably shared with Paul whilst we were there, I expect I did. And I came home and shared with the elders who all felt that if God had said it, then we should do it. Then we shared with the church family, uh, who gave a very clear amen to that vision. And so our 50-50 vision was born. 50% of everything that came into the general building fund, we determined to give away, and we did. And we gave away some £265,000 in that period of time. And let me tell you, as, as an eldership, and as a leadership, I think we had the most fun we'd had for ages being able to really, really bless people. To be able to not just give two projects, be able to say, we can pay for that project. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And we felt so blessed that we were able to do that. And you know the amazing thing? The church family, we used to have a, a big sheet up in, in the uh, foyer, that got a list of where we'd given money away. 
And people would come in and look at that before they asked how the building was getting on because they were more excited about what we were giving away. Because it's true, it's better to give than it is to receive. And we still finished the building, as you may have spotted, which is great. You see, when you start hoarding things, as, as Tony's uh, record with the children of Israel, when you start hoarding things, when you start having great reserves of money or storing even other blessings, things go off when you store them up and keep them to yourself. You notice that? They begin to smell a bit. They're not as nice as they used to be. You see, it is like God's provision of manna. It's fresh every day. And we need to make sure that we are fresh, that we're a river, that things of finances, blessings, everything we have is flowing through us. God pours in one end, we give out the other. We're called to be that. You see, God never promised that his church would be wealthy, but that he would provide for the church. When God gives a vision, he gives a provision. All we need is enough to do what God has called us to do and enough to bless others. And sometimes we don't get enough until we start doing something. Sometimes you have to take a step of faith and go, God, I don't know where this is going to come from, but we trust in you. So, finally, let me encourage us this morning. Keep the main thing the main thing. Because we're in this together. We're going forward together. I mean, I'm still kicking around here, you know? And... Uh, we tend to be kicking around for a little while, yeah? Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep listening. Keep hearing God. He has a master plan. And we must be obedient to all that God calls us to do, both large and small. Four, we must go for the impossible, the unreachable, and the unattainable so that everyone will know it's God who's done it. And let's remember, we should always be a river and not a reservoir. Amen. Let me just pray.